Hello and welcome. I'm Chelsea, certified mermaid, diver, and science communicator. And I'm Blake, scuba dive master, freediving instructor, and also a science communicator. We've created the Save the Mermaids podcast to connect ocean lovers from across the seven seas who have a desire to protect our waters and learn to live in sync with nature. Save the mermaids, save the seas. Let's dive in. And now for our happy environmental news of the week. Okay, so this is actually a couple weeks old, but it's still awesome. So in Ireland, basking sharks have been moved to the protective protected wild animal status under Ireland's Wildlife Act, along with a code of conduct for Ireland's ecotourism and wildlife watching industry, which is awesome because not only are they protected, but now we're like stopping people from making money from like jumping in. Yeah. I love that. Cause I bet it's a lot like in Hawaii where, you know, people are just like, it's the wild West. Everyone's just throwing them in on the basking sharks, which I'm sure would affect their eating. Cause they're filter feeders Yeah, and you know, just keeping a little calmer environment for them, but you can still observe them. I'm right. sure, but yeah. just not, just not from thin riding or something, <laughs> not in danger of getting sucked into their giant fucking Ooh. mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Ireland, an important habitat for the basking shark which is globally vulnerable and unfortunately endangered in the northern atlantic region so this happened at a really good time um hopefully we can bolster those numbers a little and yeah it'll be good um the decision came after a large public campaign started by the british oh excuse me the irish basking shark group which got over thirteen thousand signatures and I just want to take a minute here because I get a lot of stuff coming across my Instagram and Facebook that are like, sign my petition, let's change stuff. And I'm like, you're not going to change anything, but clearly it does. They do. They I do. love that. Cause I've signed things before and I'm like, I don't think that it's actually ever done anything. I remember when Ocean Ramsey did the whole, she went to Honolulu and did the whole like and Hawaii shark fishing thing. I signed that because I was like, oh, well, I can see it happen here, but not, yeah. you know, when all the things come across your Instagram. So it's amazing to know like, hey, your signature, like use your voice because it, it people can. sometimes listen. It can make a difference. Yeah. yeah I love that. <gasps> you know, and That's you don't so have to, like, it takes literally two seconds to sign something. Just write your name, put your email in. Yeah. So if you believe in it, sign it yep. or make a petition and yeah. see what happens. <gasps> Ooh. activism <laughs> yeah <laughs> follow your dreams <laughs> okay so for today we last week I it just cracks me up because we were like let's do some research and we'll each choose jellyfishes and we'll tell people about jellyfish yeah uh and then as we researched we realized the animals that we chose aren't even jellyfish so <laughs> today is the not so jellyfish jellyfish episode yeah. not so jelly <laughs> the not jelly <laughs> Oh yeah. And, and they actually, so normally as those of you who have been listening know, like we usually each pick two when we do these kind of episodes, but these guys are so crazy. We each had to whittle down to one because damn, like, <laughs> I know. And I know yours has like a very special part of it. That's <laughs> really exciting. So I think you should go first. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to say two words, um, transient anus. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we need to know <laughs> now that we've hooked them boom water lust plug
Blake and Chelsea here. We are so excited to announce that we are now a positive impact partner with Waterlust. Waterlust creates eco-responsible sun protective apparel to help fund, research, and educate the world about environmental conservation. We've been carefully searching for companies to support, and we truly believe that Waterlust and Save the Mermaid's visions are in complete alignment. They have leggings, sunsuits, and tons of other clothing options in the coolest patterns you'll ever see, like the whale shark pattern, the parrotfish pattern, the abalone pattern. <laughs> we, we seriously can't pick a favorite. <laughs> no. <laughs> we love to rep it, especially while we're out on the water. Go to our website, www.mermaidconservation.com, and click on the Waterlust clothing tab to support your favorite causes, your favorite podcast, and look sexy as fuck doing it. But please, seriously, make sure you go through our website so that we can get some street cred and some snacks. Okay, and we're back. <laughs> that was a nice break. Transient anuses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, I'm just going to read you a sentence. Oh, uh, we're also, we're <laughs> the animal that we're speaking <laughs> of is the only animal with a transient anus known to evolution. It's the only one in the world that has a see-through butthole. So <laughs> this is the warty comb jellyfish and he's special because of his little poop hole. And that's so so it's see-through and transient it's transient so it moves okay so let me just <laughs> I'm a, i have to move away from okay <laughs> okay so um a lot like jellyfish uh this new finding reveal revealing itself may represent a critical stage in evolutionary history while regular jellyfish eat food and release waste out of the same opening which ugh. yeah <laughs> already grow <laughs> so these creatures have an quote-unquote anal pore that ejects digested food once the gut has filled up so it's a poop hole and we all have poop hole. like everybody's got a booty hole for humans right yeah. um but <laughs> i'm sorry it's so hard to be professional with this episode. <laughs> we're not very professional <laughs> oh god okay so it's poop hole isn't always there so like it is randomly as the gut fills up a part of its body will just turn into it'll a just open it'll turn into an anus and then it'll beep, grow it'll poop and then it'll disappear back into that's so into cool. body like i don't need this now yeah. so i'm just not gonna have it yeah so wait you, did you say it also eats out of that hole no it's separate oh okay yeah okay. so that's what makes this uh warty comb jelly different and not technically a jellyfish um, so he's not a jellyfish. He, let me start from the beginning of my normal notes. I was going to save that for the end, but I'm like, I got it. It's, it's a hook. It's a transient it's a anus. Like journalist trick. Can we say, <laughs> I actually heard about these guys from, uh, I'll add them into the podcast notes, but from ridiculous crime podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they start out every episode with one ridiculous fact, and then they go into whatever their ridiculous crime is that they're speaking of. But they said, a warty comb jellyfish has a transient anus and that's all that they said and I was like <laughs> we're like Google oh my goodness I am definitely putting this on our podcast so thank you ridiculous crime for telling us to look this that's up. so fun I love that that model <laughs> okay tell us more okay about so besides talking about their poop holes um they are called stenophores they live all over the world from the tropics to the poles and from the ocean surface down to its depths Comb jellyfish, however, are not found in fresh water. 
They live in the ocean and in brackish bays, marshes, and estuaries. So these guys are everywhere. Like wow. legit everywhere except for freshwater. Okay. Um, so just to describe them, they're really beautiful oval-shaped creatures, and they do have bioluminescent um Ooh. like rainbows running down their bodies. Oh, I love bioluminescence. Yeah. So they get the, their name from the rows of comb-like plates that they use to propel themselves through the water. And I'll get more into that, those plates uh in a second. But these plates reflect and distract light, giving giving it a very shimmery, like ethereal effect. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm going to look them up while you talk. Do it. So like I said, they're not jellyfish. They have a similar jelly-like structure that we associate with jellyfish. However, they are not the same. A comb jelly is in no way related to a jellyfish. They are very, very different genetically. They're not the same animal. Um, And I've actually seen these guys before. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah, yeah they're very I like picked one up in Florida. Kind of. Yeah, I held one. I have a video. I'll put it on. I'll put it on the internet. Okay. Um, but... Like I said, um, so, oh, also I said that I picked it up. <laughs> yeah, you held it. Like, so they don't sting. That's another thing that makes them different from jellyfish is they don't sting. And sometimes they put on these really fantastic light shows. So it's just like a little oval shaped blob of pretty lights. Okay. In um, those little, instead of like having like all the trailing tentacles to move, they have those little cones. Okay. Um, and again, notice that I said neighbors when describing them to jellyfish, not cousins. So they're not they're not, there's no genetic similar, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're not the same. The difference between jellyfish and comb jellies runs far deeper than just the absence of stinging. Research uh, suggests that the combs evolved with astoundingly different makeups than jellyfish and from every other form of life on our planet. So they're aliens. Alien. They look like aliens. They do. (gasps) They're literally not related to anything except for comb jellyfish. I love this. Yeah. Like nothing else. So all comb jellies are members of the phylum stenophora. They feature strips called comb rows evenly spaced around their bodies. Each comb row bears a band of tiny hair-like cilia, the comb-like structure in home jelly. So they're almost like little short hairs and that movement of those cilia helps propel, uh, propel them through the water. So the stenophores swim by op- operating their cilia like little oars on a galley, sometimes compared to the wave people do at baseball games. So you just okay. see it go down their bodies in a wave. Uh, This is another important difference between jellyfish and comb jellies is that jellyfish achieve locomotion by pulsating their bodies. So these guys don't, they only move their little cilia. Uh, Another difference between jellyfish and comb jellies is that jellies tend to move with their mouths trailing. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, their mouth is at the back and then uh, the combs forage and move with their mouths forward. So they're just like, mouth is always open. They're ready for it. I love that. Mm-hmm. Good for them. I'm just, just going like to move me. forward. And if this happens to go in your mouth, I'm going to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these are also a super ancient animal. They are one of those ancient species of creatures that has been around for over 500 million years. <laughs> yeah. The Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History claims that they're at least 500 million years old, but they can be older than 500 million years i guess that makes sense yeah, that's like exactly what you think of when you think of oh what was that fantasia you remember fantasia i don't think i, I don't know if i saw it uh they have like a little short in there of like the evolution of dinosaurs and stuff and it's it starts out with like those looking kind oh of things. Yeah. yeah yeah they're just they're so old and they just nothing evolved with them like usually you see a relative and then yeah. there's all these things like that come together with it but no they're just just perfect the way they are doing their own thing uh-huh. yeah um they're cannibals okay throwing sure. that out there sure. um comb jellies are considered cannibals since they are capable of and regularly do eat other comb jellies <laughs> they also um 
eat ones that are larger than themselves. So it's not just like, oh, there's a little comb jelly. I'm going to slurp it. Um, they bite off chunks of other comb jellies with their cilia structure in their mouths. They do, however, prefer to eat plankton, crustaceans, small fish, and zooplankton first. So they only cannibalize and eat each other when there's not a lot of food around. And, and there are stories of and other then, things doing that. Yep. And then <laughs> okay. they poop it out of their transient sure, anuses. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. <laughs> totally normal. So comb jellyfish. Um, they also have very few organs. They don't have any intestines, stomach, or even lungs. Uh, nutrients and oxygen pass through their epidermis and gastrodermis instead. So they're pretty much just skin and digestion. Okay. Little digestion bags and they're 95% water. So they're, there's, there's like nothing to them. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said, they're essentially made of water. Their bodies are about 95% water, making it easier for them to float around. So they don't have any bones or muscles to weigh them down. They're naturally bioluminescent. So like I said, you'll see those colors of the rainbow kind of reverberating through their bodies. Uh, many types of comb jellies are naturally bioluminescent. Sorry, I just lost my place in my notes. <laughs> uh, these proctites that create the radiating light are found under the cilia that allow them to move around. So the moving cilia refract this light, creating the amazing bioluminescence that people love to see. Mm -hmm. Uh, sexes are separated into a few species, but mostly most of the comb jellies are simultaneous hermaphrodites. So they can get it on in multiple ways. They can get it on with themselves. They can get it on with each other. They just, this is why they've been around so long as yeah. they can just get it on. They're really, really good at what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. So both self-fertilization and cross-fertilization can occur. Gametes are expelled through their mouth because they don't have many holes. They only have a mouth in a okay. butthole that comes around every once right. in a while. Sometimes. Yep. <laughs> um, fertilization occurs in the water, but in the coeloplana and tigellophila. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's like in the water. So it's kind of the same idea as a lot of fish eggs occur is they like spurt out their goods and then mm. it meets in the water. Okay. Um, gametes are taken into the mouth for internal fertilization. So they spew out the gametes and then... <laughs> suck them back in if they've been fertilized these guys don't need anybody they really <laughs> just they do themselves good for them in many ways yeah <laughs> um fertilized eggs uh let's see fertilized eggs develop directly into adult form without larval stages and without parental care oh my god so just like yeah giant it just pops out a, a normal not jellyfish yeah weird yeah comb jellies produce gametes as long as there's sufficient food so sure. if they're low on food then they're not going to be having a lot of babies which would again affect them in the long run some species regenerate if injured uh, and like i said they can reproduce asexually or sexually so if somebody hot is in the area you can get it on but you don't need to because you mm. got yourself nice um, wow. what a what a good metaphor for life. Right. <laughs> Let's turn that into something. <laughs> They're so inspiring. <laughs> okay. Uh, like I said, they can regenerate themselves if they're injured, right? But the cool thing is, is when that small part of the animal breaks off, it can grow into another adult jellyfish. Oh, cool. So they're just reproducing. So in tons of ways. In very many ways, oh, like okay. with themselves, with other people, by breaking, like they're just, they keep having more and this more like a very no nonsense kind of animal yeah they just they're like i am here yeah. to continue my family line of 500 million years right and they do and they're killing it they're killing it Bravo. <laughs> um lifespan that has been studied again it's kind of hard to do this but the lifespan of those that have been studied ranges from less than a month to three years so <laughs> that's why they got to reproduce so much because okay. they're not 
around very long. Conservation status. Uh, No stenophore species has a conservation status. Generally, comb jellies are not considered threatened or endangered like other marine species. However, they are affected by climate change, pollution, and weather. Comb jellies are prey for several species, including the endangered leatherback sea turtles. So again, if their numbers go down, the leatherback sea turtles' numbers will go down as well. Um, Yeah, and then I just have in very bold, italicized, transient, (laughs) and that is what we started with yes because how can you not cannibals (laughs) that have a transient anus they can reproduce in multiple ways that is the warty comb jellyfish that's cool that's just like an evolutionary perfected yeah they didn't need to evolve at all like they didn't need to change they just have been they they figured it out the first time yeah good for them yeah good for them (laughs) sounds like it's really working out it really is Okay, so tell us about your non-jellyfish jellyfish. Okay, so my non-jellyfish jellyfish is the man of war. Oh, I know. Which, yeah, I thought that they were jellyfish, so. Um, I thought they were a lot of things that they're not. Okay. Yes, strap in. <laughs> I am ready. So there are two, I guess, kind of the Portuguese man of war, and then we have the um, blue bottle or Pacific man of war. Okay, which one is here? Um, we've got the blue bottles. Okay. <clears throat> so the difference basically is the... Portuguese are a little bigger. Okay. And they have um longer tentacles. Oh. So the blue bottles that we have here are actually are like a shorter, smaller little guys. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So the the small ones, the blue bottles that we have here are also a little less ven- venomous. Um, and they have caused no known human casualties. Whereas the Portuguese man of war maybe. People have or have not see that's already (laughs) something that's good to know because i've seen them here all the time and i have been stung by one and i was Mm -hmm. like i thought these guys were poisonous and yeah it hurt but it wasn't like yeah terrible yeah yeah it's uh i mean it's gonna suck but it's not the the bottle nose or bottle nose what's (laughs) on the blue bottles won't probably won't kill you yeah i'm not gonna say they won't because then i'll get sued right (laughs) um okay so yeah like we said they're not actually jellyfish um <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Here we go. They are all right. Let, let me pick up my notes because this there's a lot of words and I have a picture on my phone that I'm gonna reference. So they are in um the phylum of jellyfish, but in a different class. So jellyfish, but not. Okay, so it's not like mine where they're totally separate. Right. Yeah. This like would be a cousin, guys. not a neighbor. Exactly. Okay. Um, so they are a siphonophore. Um, which means colonial organism. Oh, they colonize stuff? No, oh. they are colonies. Oh, like, like coral. Oh, so it's multiple animals. Yeah. <gasps> I know. That blew my freaking mind. I was like, I am intrigued. What? It's more than one animal in this animal? Okay. Yes, it is. <laughs> so one manamor is actually many different animals, similar to coral, um, where all of the different polyps share the same, like, quote unquote skeleton mm-hmm. and kind of work together to make one planimal. <laughs> um the manowar they have it's not polyps, it's called a zooid. Oh. Um so similar idea but yeah. not polyps. Yeah. Okay. Um because obviously they're not covered in polyps. Yep. <laughs> so the zooids and um all of the zooids act as different as a different part of the unit helping it to survive. So I am going to pull up on my phone, the picture I have, 
And while I'm doing that, I just wanted to say that this reminds me a lot of Power Rangers when they all like get in their little dinosaur and then like their little dinosaur kind of all comes together to make the big robot okay. and like fight things. Yeah. That's like the only thing I can compare this okay. to. Okay. I like the visual. <laughs> Thank you. So I guess before I go down the list of the anatomy, we have got one type of zooid called the new, oh gosh, pneumatophore which is the top part of the man of war that you see. It's the sail. Okay. Um, so the one that sits on top of the water, it's just like a gas filled chamber. Wait, that's a separate animal? With a mohawk. Yeah. Whoa. Right? So that one obviously is full of gas and plays the positive buoyancy role. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, we have the gastrozoid, which is the feeding polyp and is the only one that ingests food and also carries out ext- extracellular digestion of prey. This one does not have a tentacle. Okay. Um, going further down, we have the tentacular palpon. And this one is unique to the species. The tentacle is used to capture the prey. Um, and this one is the one that um, uh, secretes, or this is the venomous part. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And then on the way down, we have the so that's the like tentacly bits and then there's like a big group of like goo or whatever <laughs> that's called the gonodendron gonads <sighs> yeah was that yeah. right kind of I'm like so this is the one that's responsible for um there's part of it that nobody knows what it's for <laughs> um this is the part that's uh used for movement-ish, like kind of involved in locomotion, maybe used to propel. Um, We've got the accessory to digest food. We've got um, the female and male gametis. And these colonies um, only consist of one sex. So if you have a man of war, it only has male or female. Oh, so it's not like it can, it's not hermaphroditic. Right. Okay. Right. So that's kind of the anatomy of... (laughs) So there are a bunch of, that's so weird that like one animal is, is several parts. Yeah. Yeah. Like here I am an animal and I am the reproductive organs, you know, it's really weird. Huh? I know. Can one survive without the other? I would imagine not. If you kill the sail. Oh, if you pop his little sail, I think they all, I think it's, it's gotta be like a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. It has to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So knowing all that (laughs) um let's see Uh, what do I want to say next okay they do use their tentacles to capture prey and then like move it up to the little eating part of it Mm -hmm. that kind of digests it the average tentacle length is 30 fucking feet oh my gosh (laughs) really um it can reach up to 165 feet for the Portuguese one? I would imagine this is That's insane. But either way, like and 65 feet of tentacle that you have to be aware of. If you see this tiny little string, like, this tiny little floating blue balloon, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, which way is the current going? Yeah. Where is this tentacle? Like, how far <laughs> back is it? That's a lot. So yeah. So just to give you a point of reference, that's as tall as the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, science communication really puts it into like perspective though. I love it because I was like, oh yeah, that's really long. And then I read the comparison and I was like, wow. Oh my God. That's yeah. Yeah. 
So um, yeah, they do have the nematosis, which are the stinging cells that can sting um, and can sting for days after a man of war has died. Yeah. So even if you that. find one on the beach, you got to be real careful. But here, I know in Hawaii, at least because of all the corals and lava rock that something has to fight through to get to the beach, mm-hmm. a lot of those tentacles are actually lost. Yeah. So if you do walk around the beaches here, at least the ones I've seen, you actually you can't see their tentacles and it's way more scary. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, where is it? Right. <laughs> okay. That makes sense though. Cause I found one on the beach, like literally two days ago and I scooped him. Like I always pick up the sand underneath him and like try to, you know, just get him to the water as quick as possible. Cause yeah. I didn't know if he was okay, but his, again, his little tentacles were so short. So that makes sense that by the time he got up, there was just kind of destroyed. On yeah. Him. They've just been pulverized. Did I ever tell you about the time I was hugged by a man of war? No, I was at Bellows beach. So if you guys live in Hawaii or are visiting Hawaii, this is a beautiful, like just magical beach, white sands. Great like for like, one. yeah. Bodyboarding or boogie boarding. It's just so much fun. Um, And so I was diving out there and I was making fun of my husband as one does, because there was a Portuguese man of war floating. And I was like, Hey, that's a Portuguese man of war. Don't touch it. And he's like, how do you know? (laughs) Oh my gosh. And so he touched the top of it. Oh yeah. Or like touched the side of it. Like Mm -hmm. it stung him. Right. And he like looks at his finger and says, ouch. And then he touches it again. And he was like, ouch. And then he touches it again. Three times this boy touched it. We were literally like 22, I think when, when we had moved and had had this experience so we were the stupid early 20s um touched it three times he was like oh starts like screaming his hand hurts we have to we get back up onto the beach and I'm making fun of him I always I'm very prepared and I have vinegar in my back so I put it on his little finger and he's feeling better and I'm walking down the beach with him making a lot of fun of him as one would do yeah because he touched it three times three times I'm like, sir, that was your fault. You did it three times. Like once is understandable, but three times. And I said what it was beforehand. I was like, that's a man of war. Um, So I'm making fun of him. And then boom, I'm walking in the waves and one literally comes up and wraps all of its tentacles around my ankle. So I start screaming because it hurts, right? I grab his little sail and I try to pull him off, but he would not. And he's like, literally his tentacles wrapped around multiple times. So I'm like sitting there touching and like trying to get all of these little stingers off. I finally get him off and I toss him back in the water. And I just had all around my ankle, like a perfect lines that lasted for quite a while. Yeah. It's some pretty powerful venom. Yeah. But he like came up out of the water. It was karma telling me like, I had him for too long. (laughs) They're like, you're done okay Blake you've laughed for too long and then yeah so Um, I learned my lesson they are on bellows like every time I've gone to bellows I've seen I see them usually around the full moon yeah yeah there's a whole like jellyfish calendar that people can look up to Mm -hmm. and generally speaking it's about like a week to 10 days after the full moon is when you can kind of bet that there's going to be some jellyfish mm-hmm. around wear a rash guard or something like that if you're going to be in the area yeah. and again always check with your local i actually think that's more true for the box jellies and less true for the man of war i do notice box jellies more um yeah according to the moon i mm-hmm. guess yeah yeah because so i'll read more about the man of war but they're more just cruising and a lot less um so affected mean- by yeah okay yeah so, um, da, 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 what was I saying? Oh, we were talking about their tentacles. Yeah. So they, they do hunt fish and like capture and reel it in with their tentacles, which is Ooh. creepy. Um, let's see. They can't move themselves. So they really do just go with the flow. They move with the tides and the winds. Um, so they are often found bunched together because that makes sense. Right. 
Um, but it's super cool because if you look down on a man of war and so on his little like top mohawk bit mm-hmm. you'll notice that the mohawk either leans to the right or to the left uh-huh. so they're either right-handed or left-handed oh and that is um it's, it's believed to be an evolutionary thing to get them to separate because that little sail is going to dictate where the wind takes them so half oh. of the population gets pushed to the left and half the population gets pushed to the right because of the position of their little sail. That way they don't just all go to the same place and get knocked out. Exactly. So they're not like all going to one beach and then extinct. Wow. I know. That is cool. I thought so too. That was like, so the left sailed man of war will be pushed to the right and the right sailed man of war will be pushed to the left. Okay. Um, so there's, this makes them really easy to predict. Yeah. Like we said, like you can pretty much guarantee like, oh, these tides are coming in from here there's going to be man of war. Yeah. So yeah. Um, like we talked about with yours, the loggerhead turtle and a few sea slugs are the predators for the man of war because of their thick skin. Is this what the blue dragon nudibranch eats? I believe that we'll need to look that up. Oh yeah. We might I'm have to. almost a hundred percent. I'm like 99% sure that a blue dragon. Okay. Eats them. I didn't know. I didn't see that, but that's possible. I know that the um, loggerhead has thick enough skin and I believe there is uh, I think the what did I say the sea slugs are just immune to the venom yeah okay so so that might be it actually yeah um and then we have the blanket jellyfish oh the blanket jellyfish is the one that's immune to the venom so they can eat them okay um, and they've actually been, <laughs> they've actually been seeing carrying around and using the man of war to like defend themselves. Like, <laughs> <in weapons. laughs> so like, Thank I'm you. immune to them. You're now my sword. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just looked it up. So blue dragons do, and also look up this animal because they look like an alien, like Ugh, from outer yeah, space. They are. They're so cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do feed on man of wars. Um, and they suck in the poison from the man of war before releasing it onto anything that it feels threatened by. So they Damn. use its venom. So the man of wars are like little weapons of the sea. Yeah, people, they all use them. I kind of love that. I actually. know, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, there's a, even a man of war fish that acts as kind of like a pilot fish, but instead of being like immune to the venom, it's just, it's vertebrae are separated enough that it's just like super fast and agile. Oh, so it can just avoid being stung. So it just hangs out in the tentacles of a man of war. So it's almost like, it's like a home for it. Yeah. Like, uh, I would say like a clownfish and an anemone, but they actually do develop like a a whole system a together whole, yeah like they they have to go through this whole like i have to learn how to be stung by you yeah but like these this guys little just never get just stung. is too fast oh. yeah um and they are yeah like i said the man were comprised of either female or male zooids and the eggs and the sperm are shed into the water intermingle and become a larva and grow into another crazy colony of not jellyfish (laughs) um if you are stung um vinegar like you said and hot water actually is um what is recommended there yeah hot water that's that's the man war (laughs) yeah i know the hot water thing i think is new okay um but i think it's proven to work do you think that's why people used to be like oh you gotta pee on it i but think it's so it's warm because it's been proven that urine doesn't help right with jellyfish sting so it could just be the heat the heat made it feel better mm-hmm. instead of it was like the ammonia or whatever yeah yeah because yeah huh. yeah i know wow yeah not jellyfish not so jelly jellyfish <laughs>
Thanks so much for diving in with us today. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram at Save the Mermaids Podcast. Visit our website at www.mermaidconservation.com for all the podcast merch and our eco-friendly favorites. And don't forget to join our Facebook community, Save the Mermaids Podcast Community. This is where we will post our monthly meetups, share our favorite underwater adventures, and connect with like-minded ocean lovers all over the world. Until next time, mermaids! Thank you.